Welcome to Improv is No Joke podcast, where it's all about becoming a more effective communicator by embracing the principles of improvisation. I'm your host, Peter Margaritas, the self-proclaimed chief edutainment officer of my business, The Accidental Accountant. My goal is to provide you with thought-provoking interviews with business leaders so you can become an effective improviser, which will lead to building stronger relationships with clients, customers, colleagues, and even your family. So let's start the show. Welcome to episode 37 of Improv is No Joke podcast. Thank you so very much for downloading this episode. Today's guest is David Crone, who is a comedy ventriloquist and corporate speaker, along with guest appearances from Gus, Eugene, Wilmer, and Edna. David and I spend a majority of our time discussing the concept of leadership. He uses an interesting analogy about moving from a performer to an entertainer in defining leadership. He states that the performer spends time working on the technical skills of their craft, trying to reach perfection while the entertainer is able to add the passion and drive to make the performance a piece of art. He believes that we can go into the same direction in our working lives. David states, yeah, you're good at crunching numbers or writing code, but how do you make it a piece of art? And how do you work with other people and enjoy the process of creating all of this artwork, a.k.a. spreadsheets, through collaboration? David also discusses a strategy on how to better connect with those that report to you. Now, I'm paraphrasing here, but David tries not to put too much pressure on his team to be perfect because no one is perfect. When you put too much pressure on perfection, stress and anxiety increases and productivity decreases. When you accept mistakes by your team and coach them about these mistakes, respect and trust amongst the team will increase. He really enjoys watching his team grow and learn. However, he's not tolerant for those on his team who continually make the same mistakes over and over again. Be sure to listen to the story David tells about one of his clients and perfection. It starts around the 14 minute 40 second mark. The story was so good that it gave me goosebumps. As you listen to our interview, you will hear many references to the principles of improvisation like the two above. If you're new to this podcast, go back and listen to episode zero where I discuss in depth about the principles of improvisation. Now, one of my goals with this podcast is that it'll help you begin to make changes in your work and personal lives so you can better connect with others and create meaningful relationships. Many people have said it takes 21 days to start a habit, but a lifetime to keep that pattern. That's why I created the Yes and Challenge, to help keep these principles in front of you so you can build up your improvisational muscle. To sign up, please go to petermargaritas.com and scroll down to the Yes and Challenge call to action and click to register to begin building the productive habit of Yes and and the principles of improvisation. And remember to share your experiences on Twitter using the hashtag YesAndChallenge. If you are unsure of what the YesAndChallenge is all about, I also discuss this in detail in Episode 0. Remember, you can subscribe to my podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Along, you can also purchase my book, 
Improv is no joke. Using improvisation to create positive results in leadership and life on Amazon. It's available in paperback and on Kindle. Well, with that said, let's get to the interview with David Crone and gang. Hey, welcome everybody. Uh, I'm really excited today because, wow, I got a full house today with this interview. First, uh, I'm, I'm with David Crone, who's a comedy ventriloquist, a speaker, and sometimes IT guy. So first and foremost, thank you, David, for taking time out of your busy schedule to be part of this podcast. Well, good morning, Peter. It's quite an honor. It's, it's nice to see you again. And, and, you know, I have to say good morning to some of the other people who are with us. Uh, Gus, good morning. Great to see you. It's been a while. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, okay. So you haven't changed one bit. Of course not. Where's my beer? It's about that time, isn't it? Well, uh, it's five o'clock somewhere. Uh, and, and Eugene, how you been these days? Yeah, I've been good. Oh, busy, busy, busy. You know, doing a lot of email, all that kind of fun stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, staying busy is good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And, and, and Wilmer, how you been? <sighs> Man, I got to get my coffee. It's too early. So <sighs> you, you don't prescribe to the beer in the morning routine? No, that's, gosh, he's got all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and I should have gotten ladies first. I apologize, Edna, but how are you? Oh, it's okay. Whatever, Peter. I know you get confused. It's okay. Well, I am getting older, Edna, and I do get a little bit more confused these days. Oh, you're still a young guy. <laughs> well, in comparison, maybe so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, David, you got, a, you got a full house there today. I, we, we, <laughs> we may have to get the wider angle on the lens to, 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 to see him. It's always him. crazy. Yeah, I, 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 can, I can only imagine. So... so I met David. I don't know, David. It's been it's been a number of years ago. Uh, uh, we were introduced to each other through. We both went. We were both downsized at one time in our careers, and we both went through right management uh, uh, services. And my old career counselor was your career counselor, and gave you my name, and you gave me a call out of the blue, and we we met. But so my audience gets an idea of who David is. Give us a little bit about your background. Wow. Okay. A little bit background. So I'm going to try and keep it short. So I, by training, I'm an electrical engineer. I went to the University of Pittsburgh, so I have a double E degree. First job out of school was both hardware and software engineer when I figured out very quickly that I suck as a hardware engineer because I make too many mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> I realized that it's a heck of a lot easier to fix your mistakes in software than it is hardware. So good point. Fortunately, I was actually a pretty good software engineer. So, you know, moved around, did the usual career growth, uh, lots of strange companies. Um, then it kind of gets interesting when I got to CompuServe. Wow. And, uh, back in the day. Back, back. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> and during that process of writing code, uh, my hands gave out. I'm one of those people that lost the use of my hands on a regular basis at a keyboard. Oh. And... So, you know, that old adage of those who can do, those who can't teach, and those who can't teach, manage. <laughs> well, I couldn't do and I couldn't teach, so I managed. Uh, <laughs> at least that's the joke. I moved into management. That's why and that's how. And I kind of really dove into it because, you know, I, I always wanted to be good at whatever it is that I do. Uh, so I just dove in. I said, I can't code anymore, so I might as well be a good manager if I got to do it. So. 
AOL came along, um, bought us out, uh, moved into more of an operations role, uh, leading network operations, data center, things along those roads. Uh, AOL took very good care of me. And uh, along the way, I decided to pull the puppets back out and actually create new ones. I had been uh, a hobbyist, magician, and ventriloquist since I was a kid. Uh, when my kids came by in the early 90s, I put everything away. And then when they got older and I had a little bit more time on my hands, I got it all back out again and decided, you know, this is uh, this is where I want to go with things. Uh, just the, the short story there, I, I went into engineering school for a number of reasons. One was that I had this vision as a kid of inventing something and then living off of the royalties. And uh, that never quite happened. But I kept the dream alive of someday owning my own company and was looking around to try and figure out what the product would be. And around in 2004, I had one of those head smack moments of, oh, dummy, <laughs> I'm the product. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, just dove in like I do all things and just, uh, you know, worked at being a really good entertainer, a really good performer at what I did at the craft. Um, and uh, 2007, I walked away from AOL. Uh, you and I ended up in those rooms together. So it was um, it was a voluntary separate. It was a voluntary layoff action, if you will uh, want to go there with me. Sure. Uh, and uh, I never turned down the opportunity to learn more things. So when I went through the right management stuff, I was looking specifically at transition tools and how do I launch my own business? Uh, how do I do that? Didn't quite get it figured out. So in 2009, at the urging of a friend of mine, I went back to the corporate world. Uh, I was director of network and telecom for a major healthcare organization here in town. Uh, I won't name them for their benefit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then in 2013, basically, I ran out of vacation time uh, because my own business had taken off to the point where um, I, I lost the ability to do both at that point. So because all of that time I kept doing and building my own business, uh, really kind of doing it more right this time around. And uh, so stepped away in the summer of 2013. And here we are. It's been been quite a ride ever since. Uh, a couple of things. When I when you said that when you left um, AOL, uh, when I left uh, Victoria's Secret, I was voluntold that it was time yeah. <laughs> to move on to the next. So I, I thought that was kind of neat on their part. You know, I was voluntold. And, and two, you mentioned your business. What is your business? So my my business is I'm no dummy dot com. Uh, that's <laughs> that's the website. It's I M N O D U M M Y dot com. Uh, I am a comedy ventriloquist, corporate speaker, entertainer, uh, sometimes coach. Every once in a while, I get pulled back into the IT world. I am at least on the books as a contractor slash consultant with an IT firm here in town. They really don't care how much I work. I'm just kind of on the books. They're kind of an interesting arrangement. It's a, um, you know, the best way I describe it is it's like having a chair at a hair salon. You know, when I do work through them, I pay them a fee, but they take care of all the booking and the billing and all that kind of fun stuff. And I just go out and do the thing, and then they take care of getting the money and send me a check. So it, it costs neither one of us anything for me to be associated with them. And uh, so they don't really care how much I work. Uh, they like it when I do. Um, but, you know, most of my hands-on work is there's a lot of cobwebs to get to that. So 
I am more of a people person at this point, managing and helping other people get their stuff done. And uh, this particular contracting firm doesn't really work that way. So it's been interesting. So I, I hear a couple of things here. I, I, I hear electrical engineer. Yes. Uh, I hear perfectionist. I hear leadership management. And I hear entertainment. Yep. And knowing the struggles between perfection and managing and entertaining, can you talk about the differences and how this all, how you've all, have you been able to figure it out? Sure. Well, how I've been able to work at figuring it out. <laughs> Better said. As an engineer, I always want to figure it out. I always want to have the answer. And I'm absolutely a perfectionist in everything I do because that's the way engineers are trained. That's uh, kind of what made me a good engineer at the time. But what I've realized is that I've always I've called myself an entertainer. And what I realized over the last, I don't know, months, years, um, is that to date, I've, I've been more of a performer. And there's a difference between performer and entertainer. So let me get into that. So when I got into this, I wanted to be the best performer, the best ventriloquist I could possibly be. And so I worked on my technical skills, manipulating the puppet, uh, working on the voices, not moving my lips writing material, finding good jokes, uh, really the the performance aspect of it. And through studying other artists and watching other things, I've realized that there's more of an art here. To move from performer to entertainer, you have to move away from doing the technical skills and having those simply in your back pocket. You're good at them, but now you've got to go beyond that. And uh, I, I kind of drew the connection with that with leadership. And uh, let me just uh, spew for a minute here, if you will. Oh, please do. <laughs> just don't let just don't let Gus spew. <laughs> no, no, Gus is he's still working on his beer, so he's good. <laughs> he, he doesn't care what time of day it is. <laughs> so when I was a manager, you know, I worked on being the best manager and doing things perfectly. And, you know, through those roles and through becoming a leader, stepping up into executive roles, I realized at some point along the way, it was kind of in the back of my mind, it was less conscious than it was just something that happened, that the staff that worked for me really liked it a lot better when I was not perfect. They found me more approachable. Uh, If I was perfect, it put the pressure on them to be perfect. And the fact is, none of us are perfect. All of us are going to make mistakes. And, you know, I have, I've long had a saying that making mistakes is fine. Repeating them is not. Right. So we need to learn from our mistakes. But you have to make the mistakes in order to learn from them. You know, and um, just I'll just I'm just scatterbrained here today, Peter. That's OK. But, um, you know, I learned a lot of things how to do thing, how not to do things. Uh, growing up, I watched my brother make mistakes. And so I tried to learn from his mistakes and not repeat his mistakes. So, you know, I think there's a lot of things you can learn from other people's mistakes. You don't actually have to make them yourself, but you do have to be willing to make the mistakes. Okay. So more about the entertainer side. So when you go, I use music as an analogy a lot. When you watch a concert pianist, um, you watch them. Nobody wants to listen to you practice your scales. And yeah, it's great that you can do all these fancy runs and arpeggios and play to perfection. But if you just hit every note right, that's not music. 
that's playing all the notes right. Uh, that's playing what's on the page. But when you go to a concert and listen to some great pianist, you know that they have the technical ability to play all that stuff. But when their passion comes through and the variation and playing the music and their feeling comes out through that, you forget how many notes are being played and you just get sucked up in the moment and enjoy it. And that is where I'm going for with the entertainment side of going from performer to entertainer. And I think that that is where we can go in our working lives of, yeah, you're good at crunching numbers. Yeah, you're good at writing code. But how do you make it a piece of art? Uh, and how do you work with other people and enjoy the process of creating all of this, whatever it is that you're creating? Uh, I hate to say, you know, artwork is a spreadsheet, but, you know, it can be. You know, you can do some really cool stuff. Uh, and when you're engaging with other people and, and, and involving them and, and having a conversation instead of just everybody go back to their cube and add up the numbers and get to the same answer, you know, it's a lot more fun. It is a lot more fun. So it's it's taking that perfection, that, that those technical abilities that we've spent years developing, but bringing the human factor into it, bringing the uh, relationship factor into it, bringing the people factor into it. Because as you said, you are a leader, and I liked what you said. You you don't want to come across being perfect with your team because when you're perfect, then they expect themselves to be perfect and nobody's perfect. And when you can come across being vulnerable, uh, human, making a mistake, owning up to it, uh, I think you get a lot more productivity out of the people that you manage. And I, I think you've made an interesting connection between the performing arts, entertainment, and even into the leadership aspect into business. Mm -hmm. I'll give you another story here. Uh, speaking of that, I, one of my clients from many years ago was a manufacturing firm in Ohio that had, with about a year previous to me being there, been purchased by a Japanese conglomerate. And so with the way that they ran things, they had a guy from Japan who was there as the boss, the president of that organization, and his right-hand person was this guy from Germany. And physically, they could not have been more different. You know, a, a stereotypical Japanese man from the U.S. looking short, right? You know, he's like maybe five feet. Yeah. But extremely professional, tied down, buttoned down. And then there was this six-foot-plus German guy with broad shoulders, and you think Claude, you know, or Klaus, <laughs> you know. And yeah. and, and the, the, the president had... Um, had a very weak command of the English language. He could understand it to listen to it, but his um, speech was difficult. The German guy was second in command, and he ended up acting as translator most of the time. So you took a Japanese guy speaking mostly Japanese or bad English, being repeated through a guy with a very heavy German accent, and the staff could kind of figure out what they were asked to do. Now, yeah. that's sort of the background. Okay. So I do this show, and the way I close out my corporate shows usually is I bring up two people and I put masks on them, and I turn them into puppets, what I call <laughs> people puppets. Okay. <laughs> and it's almost always the boss. And in this particular show, I brought up the boss and the second in command. So there's the short guy, the tall guy, and 
and we do the routine and everybody's laughing, having a good time. Well, the HR director that had hired me came up to me after the event and said, I hope I have a job on Monday. I didn't know you were going to use them. Uh oh. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> so I'm, I'm a little nervous. I'm thinking, uh oh, maybe I just did something bad here. Not five minutes later, the two guys come up to me, approach me with big smiles on their face and said, thank you. That was awesome. Thank you for using us in that way because we are never allowed to let our guard down. We are not allowed to be fallible. We are not allowed to be real people. We have to play a part. And you allowed us to show a different side of ourselves to our staff that's going to pay out in dividends down the road. Wow. Yeah. I got goosebumps. Yeah. <laughs> I, seriously, I, I do. That's a great story. Yeah. So was it was it the corporate culture? Uh, so it was a Japanese it was a Japanese conglomerate. So yes. it, it was the cor- corporate culture that didn't allow them uh, failure was was not an option, and they had to, they had to basically play roles there. But by doing this, their people saw them as vulnerable. Their people saw them not in the same way, and it probably paid dividends tenfold. Oh yeah, yeah. It was great. It was a and of course, I got to go to the HR person and said, I think your job's safe. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think when the HR person said, do I have a job on Monday? I think my thought was, will this check clear for today? <laughs> 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 so so uh, going, to, going into your corporate shows, obviously you do a lot of these. You say you, you usually bring up the, uh, the, 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 the boss or whatever. So do you ever ask... Permission, or do you ask for forgiveness? <laughs> I usually go for forgiveness. Forgiveness. Um, and there's a couple reasons for that. First of all, you know, I I do ask the person that hired me now. I, I say, you know, I, I close the show by bringing two people up, and it's usually the boss. Um, and do you think they would go along with that? And when I get to the places – now, here's an interesting side effect of this, right? Uh, I'm going to get philosophical on you for a minute. That's okay. When the person that's coordinating it says, oh, no, don't use the boss, I know what kind of company I'm working for. And the people that they say, oh, yeah, they're going to have a great time. Yeah, go ahead. That'll be great. It also defines what kind of a company I work for. And, you know, it's amazing how many times I've seen this play out that the companies where the boss is a real stick in the mud, and I'm told by no means ever use that person. They're the ones that get up before the show and say, well, we're having some struggles here. We're really having a hard time. And, you know, thanks for sticking with us. Uh, We're going to keep working through this. And the ones where the boss is like laughing and having a good time, those are the companies that he's saying, hey, we've had another great year. We've set all new records. We're going to continue having fun with this. It's amazing, you know, to to see that connection. And, you know, it caused an effect. I don't know. But. There's definitely a trend in the companies that I've worked for. Well, I think in the companies I've worked for that where the boss has been the no fun boss, strict, rigid, whatever. I think I I, I know people walk into work and they're walking on eggshells the whole time. Absolutely. They're, they're literally afraid to make a mistake. And those companies that I've worked for that the boss has been a little bit more lighthearted, a little bit more realistic, a lot more vulnerable, willing to laugh, willing to laugh at their mistakes as well as as well as your mistakes. 
you know, it, it just invigorates people. It just it just makes them want to work harder versus want to work harder productively versus working harder, scared, so they can keep their job. Right. Yep. And I know who I'd rather work for. Yeah. So you know, people ask me who who's my ideal client, and I define my ideal client as a a company where the boss takes their work seriously but laughs at themselves. And are you finding there's more companies like that than not, or are you getting what type of ratio do you think you're looking at? There's <laughs> my <laughs> client base is definitely swinging much more towards the fun boss because I self-select. I was going to ask that next question. So, how are you picking your 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 clients and the gigs that you were? Is there something in your initial questionnaire that you're asking? I try to get to that crux, and you know, I I ask right off the bat, "Do you guys like to have fun? You know, tell me about your office environment." And, you know, if I find out that it's a strict stick in the mud kind of environment, I charge them more because I'm <laughs> going to have to work a lot harder. Wow. And they either don't hire me because now it's out of their price range or they hire me and we make it fun anyways, because, you know, because I'm going to work that hard and make it work. Make it work. Wow. And I assume you're busy time of the year. We're recording this. It's it's just before Thanksgiving. So I imagine that your corporate Corporate gigs tend to increase as we get near the near the holiday season and Christmas. Absolutely, this is it. And you know, it, I'm still getting last minute requests. So we'll, <laughs> there's still one or two dates in there, but uh, it's pretty full. Yeah. So basically, Gus stays drunk the whole time. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, Eugene, uh, Wilmer, Edna can't keep him can't keep him straight, can they? No, no. I, I, although Wilmer says he wants to join you for a scotch once in a while, so. Uh, well, I'd be happy to have, uh, I'll let Wilmer drink the scotch. I'm more of a bourbon drinker, but I'm, I'm, I'm sure we can find some me- some medium ground. <laughs> some kind of amber liquid in a small glass. Bingo. <laughs> so when you've got, you've got your corporate, uh, comedy ventriloquist, but I also know that you're a speaker. You're out of, go out on the speaking circuit, the keynote, the conferences. Well, what's your main theme? Well, what are you, what are you talking about there? My main message is that work should be fun, and everything really goes around that. My blog is workshouldbefun.com, slash blog, but it'll take you there automatically. Uh, And the topics that I write about primarily are leadership and and things along those nature, but it's it's all about how do we make work fun. It's difficult for me to come up with a topic because usually what I do is find uh, people that are having an event and I talk with them about what their event is, what's their theme, what are their what are their issues, what are your challenges? And if I have something to offer to those challenges and those struggles, then it's a good fit. I'll work something out. If it's not, I send them to somebody else. Um, but I don't have I'm not your typical keynoter. I don't have a speech that I deliver over and over again. Uh, I don't know in a speaking world, I've I don't think I've ever delivered the same presentation twice. Uh, in the performance side, I have. It's typically the same thing. It's sometimes just a, a matter of which uh, which characters are coming out to play, uh, and then each of them has their have their pretty much stock bits. But uh, it's put together differently for each event. But the speaking side, it's it's all customized very highly to the exact event that we're talking about. So, let's say that you're contracted by a CPA firm. Uh, to come in on January 15th prior to everything getting into high gear and they want to know how they can have fun at work at the most 
productive time of the year, at their busiest time of the year. What what advice would you give them other than drinking beer and drinking bourbon? <laughs> well, the main advice I'm going to give them is to get up from their desks. Get up and walk around. Remember that there's other people in the office with you. It's going to be hard for me to tell CPAs, go ahead and make mistakes. True. Same, same thing like telling engineers to make mistakes. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. Well, you know, and there's a difference between where you make your mistakes. I'd rather have you making mistakes and getting your clients than making the mistakes on the client's tax forms. Right. Right. So there are areas for mistakes and there are areas for perfection, if that makes sense. It, it does. Well, I'll even say, you know what? It depends on the, the level that we're talking about here. The, the level of perfection should be up in the senior manager partner level when they're reviewing it to make sure that it's right. The at the at the staff level, especially at the early staff level, you want them to make the mistakes, or you want them to come to you sooner than later and ask the question so they're not just sp- sitting there spinning. That, that that learning process, but but through that whole system, by the time that tax return leaves the, uh, or the financial statements leave. The the accounting firm signed off on, hopefully we're looking at, from a tax perspective, to some degree, as much perfection as we can get, as long as we do know there's a lot of gray area in the tax code. Yeah. I mean, there are certain things, let's be real, there are some places where perfection is required. A surgeon better be perfect. Yeah. Right? A pilot, they better be perfect. Yeah. Uh, you know, that there are some places where it is required, or at least some aspects of the job. But you can still have fun doing it. And that's really the whole thing is to just trying to keep the mood light, you know, keep the pressure off, keep the energy level up with the pressure off. Uh, I've been fascinated lately watching NFL players. And it's interesting to me to see the difference that happens between the college level and the pro level. And seeing the more senior college level people, I've watched Ohio State, obviously, since I live here, and the quarterback, uh, right? He, he's the leader of the team. Right. And he's just gotten, he, he just got sacked. And he gets up and he helps the defender to his feet. He reaches down with a hand like, you know, that was a great hit, right? We're, we're all playing here. We're having fun. We're all doing the job that we're here to do. And you watch that in the pros, it's more and more people respecting the fact that we're all here to have fun. This is a game, not not a game, but we're doing our jobs. Uh, and this isn't personal. Yeah, we're going to hit each other hard. But at the end of the day, we're all, we might be teammates next week. We don't know. So I, I agree wholeheartedly with it, with one probably minor exception. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, not, I'm not sure that the Ohio State player will do that when they're playing Michigan. <laughs> you said the M word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I said, oh, it is Michigan, Michigan. Yeah. I, I, I don't think that's going to happen, but actually, you know, looking back at prior Ohio state, Michigan games, I, I know that it does happen. It's just very infrequent. Uh, but you're right. It's, you know, so you, you, you look at these football players, you talk about these football players. Did you happen to catch the Seattle Seahawks Cardinals game some weeks ago where it came down to a 6-6 tie? No, I missed that one. So, But the, it went into overtime, and the Cardinals kicker, I don't remember his name, missed a 35-yard field goal wide left. And then Seattle had the ball. They took it down, and the Seattle kicker missed a 25-yard or something like that. It could have been left to right, but missed it. And the game ended in a tie. 
And at the press conference, they asked uh, the coach of the Cardinals, uh, Bruce Arians, uh, what would you tell your kicker? And he said, I would tell him this is professional. We hired you to basically go out and kick the football, go kick the football through the, you know, something along those lines. You know, this, yeah. this, you know, this is what you're hired to do. This is all you do. Go do it. Uh, and then they asked Pete Carroll, what would you tell your place kicker? And he goes, I tell him I love him. Basically, you know, he's, he's, he, he made two of them. Uh, he's made more than he missed. He missed this one. You know, he's still my guy at the end of the day. I went, wow. Uh, I, I can't imagine how that kicker from uh, the Cardinals felt versus yeah. the kicker from Seattle. I, that was one of the most true leadership pieces I've seen lately or heard lately uh, coming out of the NFL was was Pete Carroll's comment uh, about his kicker and not throwing him underneath the bus. Yeah. We, we, we need more of that. So you speak at corporate events. Uh, through some type of, whether it's a keynote or some type of seminar, talking about how to have more fun at work, as well as you have your corporate speaking, ventriloquism, comedy. And and knowing you for a while, I, I know that you're build, you, you're build, I want to build up both of them. And, and what do you find, where are you in, in that ratio now, approximately? Uh, you know, it's probably, I don't know, it's hard to say, because even being an engineer, I'm not a numbers guy. So <laughs> being an accountant, I'm not a numbers guy. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's it, I don't know, it, somewhere around twenty percent maybe are more speaking. Um, I re it's really rare to do a pure speaking where there isn't any fun. Uh, just do serious stuff because I don't like to do that. Right. Um, but I have one coming up, for example, leadership uh, program in January where I'm doing the opening keynote. And it's primarily entertainment, but it's with a message. And so it's uh, blending a lot of things in um, uh, for these burgeoning executives, um, people who are coming up into the executive ranks and kind of getting them kicked off on a week-long uh, intensive program for them. And I get to get them first. So I get to motivate them and give them some seeds, uh, which hopefully will play out the rest of the week. I'm the CEO of my own business, where CEO stands for Chief Edutainment Officer. There you go. I, I and I I hear from you. The more that I can entertain, the better that they can retain, and that's the key. The more that that's they right. retain through what we try to do, and to do it as Ben Stein and Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Anyone? Anyone? <laughs> Anybody know this? V O O economics. Voodoo economics. Yeah, if you remember that scene, all the kids at the classroom are just like, you know bored out of their mind. Yeah. And what we try to do is just the exact opposite is entertain them, make them laugh. What did I read some? I, uh, also, when the laughter ends, the listening begins. Yeah, that's good. Because now yeah. you get, and that's not mine. That's, uh, I think, David Neal, um, uh, a quote. Uh, but I, it's true. The more that we can make them laugh, no matter, even in, even in your corporate ventriloquism stuff, Made them laugh, made the the the, the boss um, uh, vulnerable. That went a long, long way. Yeah. Well, so here's where I go with some of the things. Often, what happens is that I've put so much effort into the routines, into the performance, into how everything conveys. And so, when I do speaking things, depending on the message, one of the things that I will do in January, for example, is do a routine let the laughter die down, and then actually parse it, 
go back and say, all right, here's exactly what we did. So basically deconstruct the routine. Here's what I did. Here's how this routine evolved. Here's how it developed. And, and here's why it was successful. And the particular message out of this one is that it's bringing an audience volunteer up. It's just one person at this point. And I have a different prop that I, allows me to make them talk. And the point is, is that when they come up, I give them very, very few instructions. I say, here, do this. And then we just kind of go from there. And I let the person take off. And it's amazing how far people will go and where they take it on their own. And the leadership lesson there really is set the goal, right? Set your parameters, but then stand back and see how far other people are going to take it if you just let them go. If you define very, very exacting parameters, they'll fit inside that box. But you don't know how box that, how big that box can be unless you really open it up and let them just have at it. As I read somewhere, and I think it was the former or the current CEO of Darden Restaurants, basically said, build the team and then get out of their way and let them do what they need to do. And yeah, like to your point, don't put them in that box because then you're limiting their abilities. Right. So that's that's a great message. As we begin to wrap up, David, is, is there anything else you'd like to tell the audience here, piece of wisdom that you, you've got tucked away somewhere that uh, you'd like to share with them that maybe you haven't shared already with? Me, wisdom. Wow, that's a that's a heavy demand there, Peter. Oh, that's 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 not an oxymoron. Come on, I've known you. For, <laughs> I've, I've, I've known you for a while. I, I know there's a tremendous amount of, of of well, you've shared a lot of wisdom already with us. Here's my. If I had a bit of wisdom, here it is. Look at where you struggle. What do you have a hard time with? Uh, for me, a lot of it's lightening up. I have I've had that mantra for ages: lighten up, lighten up, lighten up. Because I'm an engineer, right? I'm I'm a stick in the mud. It's so easy for me to be there. Lighten up, have some fun. So for me, that's a lot of where what I talk about, where I come from, comes from that struggle that I have. Yeah, and each person has their own struggle. And where are you most challenged? Dig into it and now share that and share that struggle with other people so that they can learn from that as well. See? That was great. That that that's that's worth the price of admission right there. <laughs> All right. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> oh, I, I I I think it is. And I think I, I think my audience will, will walk away with that because that that that's that's very profound. Uh so as we begin to depart, I, I must say goodbye to the other four that are in the room. And I will be I will be generally this time and, and tell Edna it was great seeing you. Thank you very much. Oh, thanks, Peter. It's good to see you as always. And, and Wilmer, uh, we'll get together and we'll have, you can have a scotch, I'll have a bourbon. <laughs> Maybe he's already hit the Glen Levitt. <laughs> and, and, and Eugene, good, always good to see you. Oh, yeah, get the techie stuff going. Now watch out for those sand filters. <laughs> and, and, and Gus, always yeah, good to see you. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> call it when it's at the hour, okay? <laughs> Guy never changes one bit after all these years. <laughs> and David, thank you so very much for taking time out. I, I greatly appreciate uh, uh, you being part of this. Uh, I think my audience, no, I don't, let me rephrase it. I know my audience uh, will have a lot of takeaways that they can begin to use in their daily and professional lives. So thank you so very much. My pleasure. Remember, work should be fun. Yes, it should be a ton of fun. So thank you very much. <laughs> 
I would like to thank again David for taking time out of his schedule to give us his thoughts on leadership. I would also like to thank Gus, Eugene, Wilmer, and Edna for joining us. By the way, I think Gus missed his AA meeting just to be part of this interview. In episode 38, I interview Lisa Ryan, who is the founder and CEO of Gratigy. Gratigy is the combination of gratitude and strategy to help companies keep their top talent from becoming someone else's. So thank you again for listening and remember to move from a performer to an entertainer in your job, no matter what you do. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.